Bibles, if you will turn with me to the book of 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> we will read first from 2 Thessalonians, and, and then we will jump around to a lot of verses of Scripture. It's been a fun time uh, for me, I don't know about for you, but walking through our articles of faith as a church, these articles of faith written the day the church was founded on November 7, 1835, and, and it's just been great. I've learned so much uh, as we've walked through these articles of faith together, and if you've missed, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've missed any of those, you can go online to our website, eastaboga.org, and you can hear the previous four. We're on number five today, and let me tell you this before I begin. I will end on page number two of my notes I have two more pages of notes that I will not cover today. I have just decided the Lord has told me, Mike, you do not have enough time to do that. And uh, he's told me that before, and I tried it, and I didn't. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit two pages of notes. I'm going to finish the rest of it Wednesday night, okay? Wednesday night. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Brother Mike, I'll be in Awana. I want to hear pages number three and four of your notes. Well, we are going to record Wednesday night so you can go back and listen. If you serve in Awana, we want you to serve in Awana, and you'll be able to go back and listen. <clears throat> the reason I'm doing that is because the last two pages really are some misunderstandings or some misconceptions about uh, our doctrine of faith number five. And so I, I, I want to be able to cover all that because I know people will walk away with some questions, okay? I think this one, and I knew this from the beginning, I believe this one <clears throat> will be the one that people will have questions about. It is a hard uh, article of faith to really try to grasp. But let me tell you this before we begin. You will never fully understand this doctrine. I do not fully understand this doctrine. And nobody has the capability to fully understand this doctrine and this article of faith. But the Bible teaches it, amen? And we're going to preach about it because that's what the Bible says. And so we start our article of faith as we read. Article of faith number five. We believe in the doctrine of election according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Let's read it again. We believe in the doctrine of election according to the foreknowledge of God <clears throat> through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. You say, well, where does that come from? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 13. If you find there, once you get there, if we'll all stand together, we'll read this passage to begin with, and then we will begin. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, But we ought to thank God always for you. This is preaching, speaking to the believers, to the Christians. We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. Why? Because from the beginning, God has chosen you. From the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation, through sanctification, by the Spirit, and through belief in the truth. 
So this article of faith number five comes directly from the scriptures. In 2 Thessalonians to the church at Thessalonica, verse 13, we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. Why? Because from the beginning of time, from the foundations of the world, God has chosen you. We talked about that last week, that God has chosen you for salvation even before the foundation of the world. We'll talk about that. What has he chosen you for? Well, for salvation, to be saved. How did he do that? Through sanctification, by what means? By the Spirit, through belief in the truth. So you have the doctrine of election, that God predestined before the foundations of the world to those who would be saved. But you also have the gospel of repentance, that you must repent and believe in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit must come and save you. Thank you so much, sweetheart. The Holy Spirit coming, and you must believe in the truth of the Scriptures. And that's what the Bible says. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we ought to always thank you because you, as a Christian, you chose me before the foundations of the world. Lord, before I even spoke a word or performed any deeds, you chose me. Why? I have no idea. Because I know me. But God, you chose me. And not only did you choose me, but you chose me for salvation through sanctification by the Holy Spirit through belief in the truth of God. Lord, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the doctrine of election is a among many Christians, among many churches today, the doctrine of election is a scary word. It is one of great tension uh, matter of fact, the doctrine of election has gotten a number of pastors fired. Do you know that? It's true. The uh, doctrine of election, this idea that God has elected or Baptists are nervous about this word, predestined us before the foundations of the world. Pastors have been let go of their congregation because of that, because of what the Bible says. Now, I do believe that you can take a doctrine and you can go 27 miles the wrong way with it. I get that. I do understand that. And does that happen? Absolutely it happens. But we want to say, well, what does the Bible say? Amen? What does the Bible say about election? Well, according to Wayne Grudem, I've given you a definition of election. It is an act of God before creation. You have to know that. It is an act of God before creation in which he chooses some people to be saved, not on account of any foreseen merit in them, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. This idea of election means that God, before creation, before the foundations of the world, chose some people to be saved, not on any account or any reason or any merit in them, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure, only because of God's amazing grace. We talked about that last week. Only because of God's grace are you saved, that God chose you 
before the foundation of the world. Did you know that, dear Christian, dear brother, dear sister in the Lord? God chose you before the foundations of the world. Before let there be light, God chose you. Amen? Amen. That's what the Bible says. And if you are tuning me out, please listen to what the Bible says. The doctrine of election is also used, or the term used, predestination, is also used in the discussion. You can use that term if you so choose. Our article of faith says the doctrine of election. So we will use that term, doctrine of election. I think you could rightfully use predestination. The Bible teaches that you are predestined, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, not about what I say. What does the Bible say about the doctrine of election? Well, you have multiple passages of Scripture. We're going to read those. They will be on the screen uh, if uh, your page-turning skills aren't as fast as I can read. Uh, You can follow along in the Bible if you so choose. I love to hear the turning of the pages. There's something wonderful, I think, about turning of the pages. So if you have your Bible, you can flip along. If you have your iPad or your phone, you can swipe along with me if you so choose. What does the Bible say? Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. We'll read those. Paul says, For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, Watch this, who are called according to his purpose, meaning God has called you according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? So that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. There is a level of sanctification. There is a process of your salvation. And Romans 8 teaches the process of your salvation. It started uh, before the foundation of the world where God called you and God predestined you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. And at the right time, he called you, meaning he drew you in to him. And then at that moment, he called you. He justified you through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and belief in the truth of God. You believed what the Bible says about who God is. You trusted in the scriptures of who Jesus is, and he justified you in that moment. And then after he justified you, one day he will glorify you. You will go to heaven, and you will have a glorified, perfect body. Amen? Amen. There's the process of salvation. You also see the doctrine of election in Genesis with Jacob and Esau. You look at Romans chapter 9, verse 11 through 13. And Paul says, For though her sons, meaning Rebekah, though her sons had not been born yet or done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to election might stand, not from works, but from one who calls. She was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. This is before Jacob and Esau were ever born. They were not even born yet. And God told Rebekah, your two sons, I love Jacob, but I hated Esau. That's the doctrine of election. God is choosing one. 
and he has predestined Jacob, but not Esau. I know you have lots of questions right now. We will get to those questions, I promise you, in just a moment. But we must cover, what does the Bible say about the doctrine of election and God choosing the doctrine of predestination? Regarding Israel, where some were saved and others were not. You flip over to Romans chapter 11. In Romans chapter 11, verse 7, it says, What then? Israel Israel did not find what it was looking for, but the elect did find it. The elect found it, meaning salvation. The rest were hardened. Their heart was hardened. You see the doctrine of election in the people of Israel. The elect, those that God had called and chose before the foundation of the world, they found it. They found salvation. But what about the rest of them? God hardened their heart. So what the Bible says at the end of this morning and at the end of both of our services together, I pray you can walk out of here and say, but that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. The elect obtained salvation while those who were not, their heart was hardened. God's choosing before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, it says, For he chose us in him. He's writing, Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus. He's writing to a congregation of Christians. And he says, for he, God, chose us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. That's when God chose you. Before the foundation of the world. To be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself. Why? According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Dear brothers and sisters, this is why we sing to him. This is why we praise him. Because before the foundations of the world, God chose you. He chose you. Before anything was ever created, God chose you. The Bible says, why? For the good pleasure of God's will. And what is our response to the praise of his glorious grace that he has lavished on us in Christ, in the beloved one? God's choosing before the foundation of the world, taught in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Paul knows that God chose the people in the church of Thessalonica because they believed the gospel when he preached it. Who are the elect? Those who believe the gospel. They are the elect. How do we know who the elect is? We don't, dear brothers and sisters. We don't know who the elect are. God knows, but you and I do not know. And Paul knew that the church at Thessalonica, that they were considered the elect because when the gospel was preached, they believed in the gospel. You see our starting scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. I think it's very clear. There are more scriptures if you'd like more. We don't have time to read all of them. Truthfully, you could just go read the Bible and you would see this doctrine is from the scriptures. 
And so far we know that before the foundations of the world, God chose Christians. He chose those who would be the elect. He chose the predestined, those that he predestined. He chose them. And so far in scriptures, nowhere do we read that God chose, elected, or predestined us because of our own works. Nowhere in Scripture, nowhere does Paul or any part of the other Scriptures explicitly points to God's own purpose and his unmerited grace in eternity past. Nowhere in Scripture does it teach that God looked down to the future, saw how good you were going to be, and said, I'll go ahead and choose them now. Bible doesn't teach that. God didn't look to 2018 and see how much money you're going to give to the hurricane victims and said, I'm going to choose them. God didn't do that. God didn't look down in the future and see what great personality you and I have and what great folks we are and that we live in the South. We'll give the shirt off our back if you need it. God didn't look down in, 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 in the future and say, boy, them's going to be some good old folks. I'm going to go ahead and choose them now. No, it's not what the Bible says. 2 Timothy 1.9, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. How was it given? It was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God chose you. God chose me as a Christian. God chose the believers before the foundation of the world, not based on anything you had done, not based on anything you will do, but only based upon the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why you read about Jacob and Esau. It says, before they even spoke a word or performed any good or bad deed, God chose one and not the other. It's not based on any merit. It's not based on your goodness or mine. This salvation is given not according to anything we've done or anything we would have done. It's only based upon the good, wonderful, amazing, matchless grace of God. That's why we're saved. That's why you know Jesus. That's why you repented of your sins. That's why your name is written. That's why God has gone to prepare a place for you. Only because of God's wonderful grace upon your life that the Bible says he has lavished on you. You understand that? He's lavished it on you. That means he has poured out his love upon you. He is lavishing you with love. According to his grace. What does this mean? What does this mean for us? I want to give you three things. Number one. This means that the doctrine of election is of great comfort for the church. And when I say the church, I mean the universal church. All believers of all time. From the very beginning of the scriptures to the end of time where Jesus returns. The doctrine of election is of great comfort for the church. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 we read just a moment ago. Says that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Who are called according to his purposes. You know what that means? That means that if you are the elect this morning. If you're a Christian. You are the elect. God has chosen you. Praise God for that. Amen. Praise the Lord, man. It's not because you're a good old boy or because you're, you're a good cook, man. Thankful for that. 
And it's only because of God's grace. And the doctrine of election is of great comfort for you. It's of great comfort for me. And we know that all things work together for good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Meaning God called you according to his purpose. Meaning God had a grand, wonderful, amazing purpose in this whole world, this whole universe, and God called you to be a part of it. Amen? Thank the Lord for that. Praise God for that. He called you. God is always, listen to me, church, God has always acted for the good of those who he called to himself. Always. God's never acted wrong or bad to those who are called according to his purpose. So have faith, dear brother, dear sister. Have joy, dear brother, dear dear sister. Be comforted to know that if you're a Christian today, God will always work for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. Always. If Paul, writing the book of Romans, if Paul looks in the very distant past, he sees that God foreknew and predestined his people to be conformed to the image of Christ before the foundations of the world. And if Paul looks to the recent past, he finds that God called and justified his people whom he predestined. And if Paul looks to the future when Christ returns, he sees that God has determined to give perfect glorified bodies to those who believe in Christ. But listen to me, church. If God has always acted good in our past, if God has always acted good in our future, then He will He not also in our present circumstances work every circumstance together for our good as well? Will He not do that? If Paul looks to the distant past and says, man, God chose me before the foundations of the world, And if if Paul looks to his recent past and says, after that, God called me and justified me. Man, as if I'd never sinned, I'm righteous before God. And if Paul looks to his distant future, he knows that God will give him a glorified body in heaven one day where there'll be no sickness, no thorn in the flesh, no diseases, no pain or sorrow. Then surely Paul knows, man, God will be good in my present. Surely God will be good today. Surely God will be good tomorrow. Surely God will be good in my marriage. Surely God will be good in all of my diseases and my sicknesses. Amen? That's why we have comfort in the Lord. Man, no believer should ever be discomforted because we know God's chosen me. He chose me. And the Bible says that he'll never do anything that's not good for me. Man, that's comforting, isn't it? That's why this is comforting in everyday life. That's why it's good for you and I to know and trust and believe in the doctrine of election. Second reason. What what does this mean for us? The doctrine of election is a reason to praise God. Not only is it comfort for the church, but it's also a great reason to praise God. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Why? 
to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Ephesians 1.12, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Man, the doctrine of election, knowing that God chose you before the foundation of the world, before you uttered a very uh, wrong thing out of your mouth, before you ever thought anything evil in your mind, before your heart ever became evil and disgusting and wretched, before any of that, God chose you, lavished his grace and love upon you before the foundations of the world. It's enough to make Baptists shout, I'm telling you. Man, it's enough to make us praise the Lord, sing praises to the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Man, thank you for saving me. You knew who I was going to be, man, and you still saved me. Thank the Lord for that. Praise God for that. Listen, if you're having a hard time praising the Lord or finding reasons to praise him, the doctrine of election gives you one, and it's a good reason. If you're having a hard time this morning, And you're one of the beloved. You're one of the brothers and sisters that the Bible's telling about. You're one of what the Bible calls the elect, those that are predestined. You're a Christian today. If you can't find anything to praise the Lord about, the doctrine of election is a real good one for you to start tapping your feet in this moment and say, oh, Lord, thank you, God. Oh, man, Lord, you knew who I was going to be, but you saved me. God, you saved me. You saved me. That ought to cause us to praise God, not just today. Boy, tomorrow, when life happens, the next day, when life happens again, in these circumstances, I know God, I'm on his side, and he loves me. Is it enough, listen to me, is it enough to praise him simply because we are the elect? Is it enough? Is it enough, dear brother, dear sister in Christ? Is it enough to praise the Lord simply because he chose us before the foundation of the world? Or does God have to keep doing stuff for you, for you to praise him? Listen, I know we live in a what have you done for me lately, but uh, in, in that kind of world and, and our emotions are tossed back and forth by what have you done for me lately, but God don't work like that. God doesn't operate on our terms. Listen, if God took away everything you have today, there's still enough reason for you to praise him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength because God chose you. Amen? He chose you. Paul tells the Christians in the church of Thessalonica, we give thanks to God always for you all, for we know that he has chosen you. Paul giving praise and thanks to the Lord for these Christians because he knows that God is ultimately responsible for their salvation. Paul doesn't praise them for their own faith. Paul doesn't say, well, we always thank the Lord uh, for you because uh, you walked an an aisle one day. Paul doesn't say, well, we always praise the Lord and thank God for you because you had a bunch of options and then you just chose God one day. Paul doesn't say, man, hey, we we thank God always for you because you were smart enough to choose God. No, Paul says we thank God for you every day because he chose you. That's why we praise God. Paul knew that God was doing the choosing and it's all up to him. We often get it backwards. We often praise the one who has faith rather than the one who put the faith in their heart in the first place. Don't we? I know what people mean, but when someone gets saved, what do we say? 
you just made the best decision of your life. And we praise the person that made a decision. That's backwards. Paul said, no, we praise God for choosing you. May we the church. That's why the angels begin praising. A party starts in heaven and they start worshiping the Lord when even one sinner repents. The angels don't come down and go, oh, good job, man. Thank you. They don't come down to your bedroom or this aisle and say, oh, you, you, you accepted Jesus. Wow, that's great. No, what do they do? They praise the Lord because they know how salvation works. They know who does the saving. God does it. This should increase praise to him, diminish any pride that we might feel if we think our salvation was due to something good in us. It should increase our devotions to him, should increase our obedience to him. You know why? Just like the people of Israel, he could have hardened your heart. He could have. And you know what? He would be just in doing so. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, God don't operate on our politically correct world. That's not fair. No, it's, it's totally fair because none of us deserve to be chosen. None of us deserve to be plucked out. Last, what does this mean? The doctrine of election is an encouragement to evangelism. Some say because of the elect or predestination that we shouldn't or that we don't have to evangelize. It's far from the truth. This is why people get in trouble. They say, well, if it's already planned out, and God's already chose people, that there's the elect and predestination, then I, we don't even have to evangelize anymore. Hey, we don't even have to go out and tell people about Jesus. No, brother, sister, that's far from the truth. That's far from the truth. What do we say? What does the Bible say? Number one, the Bible commands us to go with the gospel. You know, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Acts 1a, you'll be witnesses. Jesus even sent them out. Jesus sent people out. Paul, going into places, God told him, hey, there are people, some of my people in that city. Paul could have said, well, they're your folks. They're going to be saved anyway. I won't even go there. No, Paul didn't do that. He went into the city, preached the gospel for a year and a half, and folks got saved. First, the Bible commands us to. Secondly, which I love this, the doctrine of election says that we are guaranteed success in evangelism. (laughs) Guaranteed success in evangelism. Guaranteed. The Bible guarantees success in evangelism. 2 Timothy 2.10, this is why Paul says, I endure all things for the elect so that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So that they may obtain the elect. The doctrine of election was a guarantee to Paul that some will hear and some will believe. Man, this is a guarantee from the scriptures that if you go preach the gospel, eventually somebody's going to get saved. You know why? Because God chose them. God chose them. Isn't this wonderful? Listen to this. Suppose, I don't, but suppose I had some property. Let's just say in Iowa. Iowa. Iowa's a great place to go deer hunting. All my deer hunting friends. You know, like Iowa, all that area. Great place to go. Big deer. Nebraska, big deer. Suppose I had some property. And suppose I called you one day. Just suppose. Suppose I called and said, Ben, I got some property. 
in Iowa. And let me tell you something. I want to bring you up here, and I want you to kill a deer. I, this is what I want you. I want you to come up here and kill And And Ben, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you'll kill a deer. Hey, ain't no ifs and buts about it. I guarantee you, you'll kill a deer. Listen, there's not an outfitter out there that can make that guarantee. Not one. I've known tons of people to pay five, six, ten thousands of dollars to go on hunts all over the world, and they come back with a tag in their pocket. I went on a turkey hunt one time, spent the most money ever spent on a hunting trip, but it was once in a lifetime. Bought two tags because I was, I was a good shot. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to get two of these suckers. I stayed out there for four days hunting my little heart out. You know what I came back with? Two tags. Those were some expensive stickers. Those were the most expensive stickers I've ever bought in my life. Came back with two tags. But suppose I said, man, I'll guarantee you, you can kill something. And Ben comes out there and guess what? Guaranteed, man, he comes back with a big old buck, you know, gets it mounted. And Shelby says, I want you to put that right on the living room wall. I mean, I, that's where I want you to put that. And I, I just know Shelby would want that right on the wall. Amen? Amen. Yeah, put it right there. <laughs> we got two unused ones if you want to. <laughs> This is what the Bible says. You're guaranteed to win someone to Jesus. Isn't that cool? Boy, that's, that's uh, encouragement for evangelism. What if I told you I'll take you on the fishing trip of your life and I'll guarantee you you'll catch fish. It's a guarantee. That's what the Bible says. Jesus says I will make you fishers of men and I'll guarantee you you'll catch some. So dear brothers and sisters, go with the gospel. Same goes for evangelism. There's nothing more joyful, awesome, and encouraging than seeing someone get saved and baptized. Listen, and God has set this system up to where you will have success. Isn't that amazing? God set it all up for you. He has set this system up to where if you go share the gospel, somebody's going to get saved. may not be the first person. may not be the second or the 29th. It may be the 100th person you witness to, but somebody's going to get saved. Who are the elect? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. I know those that are saved are the elect, but I don't know who they are before they get saved, before God draws them and justifies them. I don't know who they are. You have no idea. So it means that we must remain faithful to evangelism and gospel spreading. One of my favorite preachers right now is Ted Trailer. Ted Trailer's a pastor at uh, Olive, Olive Baptist. I almost said Mount Olive. It's not Mount Olive, it's just Olive. Okay, Olive Baptist Church. Uh, in Pensacola, right? Great preacher. I love Ted Trailer. Man, he's a great, fiery guy. I love him. And he was talking about this um, doctrine and said, he said, I don't know what keeps happening. I keep nominating. God keeps electing them. I don't know. And I think that's what evangelism is. You go out and share the gospel, spread Jesus all over this county and all over your workplace. You start nominating people to God. Hey, and God, we'll just pray that God start electing them. Amen. That God will start drawing him out of their sin. But listen, what about you? Is God drawing you today? Maybe today's the day that God draws you and justifies you and one day will sanctify you. Have you been contemplating? Have you been thinking about salvation? Our invitation is twofold. One is for those who are lost. The Bible says to repent. To repent. 
Repent, believe today. Why? Because the Bible says so. Believe in the scriptures. Believe upon Jesus today so that you can be claimed and be brought in as one of the elect. Do you need Jesus today? Second part of our invitation is for Christian. Dear brother, dear sister, rejoice. (laughs) Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Why? Because God chose you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't even ask for it. But God chose you before the foundation of the world. That's why James says to consider it joy when you face various trials. Why? Because you're chosen by God. What can this world do to you? You're chosen by God. You're his. You belong to him. And if God chose you, God will preserve you. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the scriptures. Lord, we thank you for this doctrine of election. May we get it right. May we get it as the Bible says it. But Lord, there are people here today that, Lord, they need Jesus. They, they know that. They, they need this Christ that the Bible keeps talking about. So listen, if that's you, in a moment we stand and sing. It's an invitation. We're inviting you to that Jesus. We are inviting you to come to the Lord. If God is drawing you, he is initiating that. Come to Jesus. Come to him. There will be pastors down front. We'd love to talk with you about that. Dear Christian, dear brother or sister, come praise the Lord for a moment at this altar. Come thank God that he saved you, that he chose you before the foundations of the world. Listen, you may realize that today, and you may realize, Lord, you've lavished your love and grace upon me, but the only thing I've been giving you in return is a life that doesn't look like I'm appreciate, appreciative of it. Lord, I've not walked with you lately. I've not trusted in you lately. I've made bad decisions. I've made bad choices. I know I'm saved, but God, I, I know I've walked away some. I, I, I've been in a mess here because of my own choosing. And Lord, I now, Lord, I want to say thank you for choosing me. And God, you lavished your love on me. God, I pray that I will begin to lavish my love on you. That I be committed today. I hadn't been committed lately, but today I will be. And I'll walk forward in truth. Is that you today? Father, have your way. Lord, may believers come to praise you. May the lost come to receive and repent. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and sing with us?